Alright all you movie junkies, it is time for the SLS Cast, with your hosts Matt and Tim. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 115 of the SLS Cast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's the potential god of apple trees episode of the SLS Cast because the potential god of apple trees, uh, as some uh, archaeologists may have discovered, is named... Abelio. Now, Abelio uh, was a numerologist and a symbologist way back in the day, hundreds and thousands of years ago, who believed that the symbol of the Immaculate Conception was 115. That's right, folks. Taking the long way down, this is Matt. And coming to us from the specially located bunker at Sony Pictures is... Is that going to be a thing now? Like, Yes, yes. You said it had to be a thing. <laughs> so I'm trying to make it as entertaining it, as possible. I, I'm entertained. I, I was waiting for you to actually complete it. Like, I, I didn't want to say my own name. <laughs> well, But you, you have to introduce yourself. That part can't change. I am Tim, Just... supposedly in the bunker <laughs> of Sony Pictures there in Culver City. <laughs> Yeah. Running it all ah, secretly. That's right. Yes. Here we are on the Tuesday, the 17th of February. Fat Tuesday. Um, yes, Fat Tuesday even. You know, recovering from uh, Valentine's, as it were, and what have you. Um, you know, don't have any email to speak of this week, so we don't have to worry about that. And because of all the news, and or because of all the movie stuff that we have to do, plus our Oscar predictions tacked on to the end, we're not going to do any news this week. Um, but so, wait, hang on, hang on. I, I want to hear just, more about your bacon what, roses you got. My bacon roses. Yeah, and that's not like a phallic uh, thing either, listener. <laughs> so yes, tell me about your listening. succulent bacon roses. Uh, yeah, well, for uh, Valentine's Day, uh, I got all of my ladies here at the house flowers. I got them roses. Matt and runs then, a brothel, if you didn't know that already. Yes, just in case, you know. I'm hard and tough, but I'm fair with my girls. Valentine's Day, they get roses. Anyway, um, no, but, uh, yeah, my wife made bacon roses. I had actually been seeing pictures of them on, like, Reddit and stuff, and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool and everything. And then, like, I come home from work, and, uh, the girls all come run up, and they're like, Daddy, don't go in the kitchen! And... I'm like, okay. So I just immediately sidestep and just come over and sit down at the computer and just kind of wait because I'm not sure what's going on. And about 10, 12 minutes later, out come a dozen roses and they're bacon roses. And they were fucking awesome. They were cooked perfectly and everything. What is like the perfect cooked bacon? Like, was there a little bit like a honey glaze on it? Or was it strictly bacon? No, no, no. I am not. I am. It's I'm, I'm, I'm all about like, you know strictly cured good solid cured bacon uh perhaps peppered bacon uh if you're feeling kind of fancy or whatever but yeah this this is you know very thick cut uh bacon that's been wrapped uh to look like a rose and then toothpicked in place on a rack and then baked at like 470 degrees for like 
20, 30 minutes or something. I might be mentioning this because I might be a little jealous, but I believe the Bacon Roses were the shit last year. Because I remember my uh, my sister got my brother-in-law Bacon Roses, and once I saw pictures of that, I started seeing people posting pictures of Bacon Roses all over the Facebook all over the Facebook. I did not notice it last year. Um, I, I don't... As far as I'm concerned, it can be like Christmas, and you can do it every year. <laughs> Bacon roses. I mean, you know, it's kind of like you don't even have to wait for Valentine's Day, right? Just like a girl really appreciates flowers when it's not... When, like, there's no reason to get flowers. It's not their birthday. The guy didn't fuck it up. You know, it's not Valentine's Day or anything like that. You just get flowers. You just get the pretty bouquet. You just get the... You know... Bacon roses are like that for guys. It's a Monday. Here's some bacon roses. And blowjobs. That's right. It's a Monday. Here's bacon roses and a blowjob. It's better than steak and BJ day because it's completely unexpected. And it's bacon. But would you rather be receiving that while you are sucking on a bacon rose? Because, I mean, I, I, I would assume if you have a bacon rose, you you're just not going to, like, bacon rose. bite into it. I mean, you have to, like, suckle it a little bit, you know? No, 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 no. They're they're when they're done right, they're they they look like roses, uh, like a rose bud, not completely closed. So they have this crunch on the outside, but this nice soft pop in the center. And so you don't actually want to, uh, like bite them. You want to do like you would like a chocolate candy. No, you pop the whole thing, you crunch down, you munch it, and you eat it, and it's great. For those of you just tuning in, we were talking about bacon roses and not what you might be thinking of right now. <laughs> so how about the stem? Like, what, what, what's, what, is the stem made out of anything? Okay, so basically, I guess she went and got fake flowers mm -hmm. and then removed the fake flower and left the fake stem because they have little, you know, like, impaling devices Uh at the bud of the stem, so you literally just spear the bacon rose on that, and then they stay. So, in does place. the warm bacon disinfect the chemical riddled stem that it is sitting upon? <laughs> I am assuming so. Although I did have to be kind of careful because I pulled, you know, I would pull the bacon rose off of the stem and there was actually like a little bit of grease and so it's like you know you, you could like fling it you know like incense at people <laughs> you know. smell my bacon smell the it. power of bacon compels you <laughs> the power of bacon compels you so yeah what about you sir did you get anything funny no i i'm not done talking about bacon roses this is a thing that i that i find very interesting <laughs> we got we got a lot of movies so let's let's you know uh, get get with the fascination of the bacon roses. What else do you have about the bacon roses, um, sir? Okay, well, how many did you eat? And how long did it take you to eat them? Let's see. I think uh, it took all of about four minutes to eat nine of the twelve. Now, I offered Jen one, and she politely declined. And I offered all of my girls one, and of course, they're like, BACON! And so they each, so I had nine of the twelve. And then, because I had just completely pigged out on nine pieces of bacon, I did not have dinner, because that became dinner that night. <laughs> so. Yes. Um, and speaking of bacon, my bathroom is completely cleaned and poop-free. 
Outstanding. And I just had a, I knew people were, were tuning in specifically to hear about my uh, septic explosion. Oh, and and, and and that and that's good because we can actually now drag this out, kind of like a terrible radio show where they keep teasing something so that you'll listen for forty five fucking minutes through all the commercials. So we'll just do the entire story for the opening of our next episode. Now, what does that say about us to where we think that people will actually tune in to listen to my about my tales of my backed-up septic tank? Because when you say, when you've got buzzwords like fecal in the bathtub emergency, hashtag fecal, hashtag backed hashtag up, emergency. hashtag emergency. <laughs> you create buzzwords that people want to come back and figure out what the fuck. Maybe is that's going why on. we had over 200 people listen to three of our episodes a couple weeks ago. Is yeah, so we possible. mentioned the rock, and we told people not to see it, so they wanted to listen. <laughs> oh, and then we realized, and they realized that we only talked about it for 20 seconds. Yes. I'm over bacon. And then they tried to understand I'm over bacon. This. So we, we can move on if you want. Okay, well, did you have a nice uh, Valentine's for yourself yeah, then? Yeah, most definitely. Not as exciting as bacon roses, though. Clearly. <laughs> well, I'll get on the horn with your SO, and I will tell her and extol to her the virtues of the bacon roses, and we'll see if I can get her to rectify that situation for you <laughs> well i guess i should say that you know we did we went to a, a lovely brunch in malibu was there bacon at the fucking brunch there bro? was no bacon at the brunch dude <laughs> <laughs> but i it was god damn it's a fail all the way no, around but I had steak and eggs <laughs> and it was delicious and she had scallops and uh it's it's a fantastic place joffrey's i think i talked about it before i went there last year for my birthday an absolute delight of a place. So. Cool. Is, is Joffrey as much of an asshole in real life as he is on the show? <laughs> uh, no. For the sake of I want to be invited back there to go eat. No. <laughs> uh, Joffrey's. Indeed. All right. Yes. Joffrey. Good old Joffrey. Okay. Well, then let's go ahead and get to this. We've got a whole shitload of stuff we got to get through. So... This time, there's no news, and we're switching it up and doing our bonus segment at the end so that we can actually not have to stop every 10 seconds to talk about movies that we're talking about in each of the categories. So here we go. It is... The Movie... Alright, so, um, now, Tim's gonna have a tale to tell, uh, for the thing, because we were supposed to have part two of Song of the Sea kicking us off for the movies this week, uh, but we'll let Tim, uh, tell his, uh, tale of sadness and woe regarding Song of the Sea, and then we will get to Selma, Foxcatcher, uh, Tangerines, The Salt of the Earth, uh, Timbuktu, and Wild Tales, or some form or fashion thereof. And take it away, Tim. Part two, kind of, of Song of the Sea. There's a story about a young man named Tim who traveled to the land of... We need R2. We need R2 from We Are Not Here to Please You. Oh, I know, right? 
Once upon a time, there was a boy named Tim. Who traveled to the land of Pasadena, <laughs> where the old people roam free. It graze upon the old, smelly movie theaters, that is, in the land of Pasadena. And there Tim went to go see two movies, back-to-back. One being Timbuktu, and the second one being Song of the Sea. After the success of Timbuktu, Tim went and sat in the theater for Song of the Sea, right next to this fluffy-looking old man, thinking, surely this will go well. Yet, he was wrong. Oh yes, was he wrong. Five minutes into the film, the old man started coughing and gagging and looked like he coughed up blood. I turned around and asked him if he was okay, and he said, yeah, fine. All right, I believed him. Stupid me. Five minutes goes by, he starts coughing again, and like starts convulsing and, and like going at it. You know, it was, it was raunchy and it was not good. Like, it was one of those instances where you can smell the mucus coming out of his mouth and the smell of bloody lead filtered through the air. And of course, you're watching this beautiful animation film. Well, needless to say, I didn't get to see the entire movie because. Every minute and a half to five minutes, something was going on with this guy. And it got to the point where, again, he started, like, seizing and shaking or, you know, whatever was going on. I actually had to escort him outside the lobby and wait for his ride to show up. Uh, Now, luckily, I got my ticket refunded, but unfortunately, I wasn't able to catch the movie uh, for uh, this episode. However, I am hoping to, uh, to go and see it before... The Oscars on Sunday, so I started telling a really stupid story, but then I realized this is going nowhere, and now I'm kind of going into just me just joshing around, just talking to you and you, uh, the, the person, the favorite listener listening to the show right now. Tune in, or check in, or look at the twit, or the tweet, or the Twitter, so I should be uh, checking it out and giving another review for it later on. So, yeah, Song of the Sea, it'll make you die, apparently. <laughs> ah yes that's actually the title of the song of the sea you you go down there to find out and it's it'll make you die all right uh so then we have uh selma fox catcher tangerine salt of the earth timbuktu and wild tales where do you want to start go, with sir? a racy one and let's do a timbuktu timbuktu all right this here is the very positive happy movie that extols the virtues, I'm using that phrase a lot apparently, of Sharia law and why it's such a good thing. And in case you can't tell by my tone, I am completely sarcastic here and facetious. Um, This is a movie basically about how, how Sharia law works, how Sharia law is applied, and the ins and outs of the repercussions. It is a French, uh, Maritanian, right? Maritanian, <laughs> Maritanian. <laughs> try it again. Uh, oh, try it three more times. It's entertaining. Yes. <laughs> Maritan. I, I've got the name of the place that it's from. It's Maritan. Well, I mean, it's it's M A U R I T A N Maritanian. There we go, Maritanian. Yay! Drama film. Now, uh, it's 
while it is not explicitly graphic, it is not um, something that you will just find stomach turning or anything like that. It is, if you were ever on the fence about when you hear people refer to Sharia law, I am fairly certain that this movie will definitely lock you into the category of either being for it or just being outright against it. Um, I'm fairly certain that the vast majority of people who will watch this show will find themselves in the latter category, not the former. But hey, to each their own. Uh, this movie was really, really made me angry. Um, stirred up a lot of emotion in me. I do not like Sharia law. I don't um, agree with it. I um, I can respect a culture and its rights and the rights of a culture to do their thing within their own realm and their own world. That doesn't mean I have to like it, and um, that doesn't mean that I don't. When when it does nothing but <clears throat> make a proclivity out of injustice, I believe at that point, I think I can then judge it. Um, and that's what this movie does for me in terms of that subject. That being said, it is a good movie. Uh, I thought that it was very well shot. I liked the different framing devices that were used. I like the ambiguous nature of the people and the proponents of the Sharia law. I also liked how they didn't make it, even though it is clear in my in my mind after viewing this movie and, and what I believe they were trying to come across in this movie, that Sharia law is bad and is wrong. Um, they didn't make it completely cut and dry like a smear campaign so to speak um they 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 did attempt to be thoughtful in the dialogue um and present a real as as true of a narrative as possible especially given the framing devices and the political um uh and the political devices of the movie and of the day so Despite all of the emotions and everything, I still come away from this movie with a 4.25. I really, really like this movie. The things that kind of hold it back for me... Um, I know a lot of times I always say that this movie... That, that they're, you know, oh, the movies always never seem to be... It's always too long. They need to cut. They need to cut. Well, this movie comes in at 100 minutes. And with all of the things that they touch on... Um, you really felt like, in this particular instance, this movie needed to be longer. Um, maybe even just ten more minutes, I think, could have really helped to pull out the interlocking pieces that they throw at you in the story of the overall narrative. Um, and, and I think that, for me, is what keeps it, is what costs it the three quarters of a star. Um... And that's all I have to say about that. I'm just going to, you know, we've got a lot of content. I'm not going to go in circles here. So 4.25 for Tim Buck 2. Go ahead, Tim. You can Buck 2. <laughs> I like it. Uh, did you actually say what the movie was about, though? I'm sorry. I did not. Uh, the movie takes place in Tim Buck 2. Uh, and it kind of, it covers when a Islamic, actually called the Ansar, Dine which I think that's how you pronounce it, Inser Adin, 
Maybe it might be a deen. But is it is a part of the Islamic religion. They were known as the Defenders of Faith. And they are a militant group that moved into Timbuktu and kind of occupied it for a period of time. As kind of a, I mean, not, I don't want to say smaller, but they were kind of like the smaller uh, group that actually moved into to the town. And it's about how that occupation affected various people in the town or in the city and outside of the city. Or well, I guess it's a town, not a city. And how it how it affects people negatively and actually not positively whatsoever. This is an interesting movie. It is a heavy movie without being outright shocking. And that's why I... I don't want to say I enjoyed it, but I thought this movie... Why this movie succeeded as it did. Because you watch movies, say, like, Babel. You know, the, the movie that came out... Uh, shit. Uh, eight years ago? Seven, eight years ago or so? Or Syriana? Or any of those largely, like, French or... Uh, or American independent films dealing with the Middle East, they're usually very heavy-handed, and there's nothing really outright appealing about it other than the overly dramatic tone and or the, the very dramatic story, and, you know, the, the characters being absolutely depressing. But this movie was actually well... is, is well-made. Uh, it's not necessarily entertaining, but it's great that... The movie is heavy-handed, or not heavy-handed, but the movie is definitely heavy, but like I said, it's not outright shocking. It, it uses a great mixture of tones and genres. For example, you have, like, satire and tragedy mixed together with moments of, like, genuine humor mixed in with it. Which, once you see those very humanistic qualities, I guess, that helps you become more attached to these characters. Um, with the satire, you can see how... Um, how hypocritical this militant group was. You know, they told everybody, oh, you're not allowed to use phones, you can't play music, you can't smoke, and yet they're doing it behind closed doors. So it's kind of annoying, and, and like with Matt, you know, that stuff just pisses you off, and this movie handles it, so uh, handles that type of material wonderfully, I thought. And again, it's a, it's a well-made movie, however, it did not completely blow me away. Um, it could have been the the runtime. However, it also could have been the stories it told and how much time it focused on these particular stories. I think some of these stories could have been uh, something more, something more meaty, even. All in all, the film is clearly told. I enjoyed it. 4.25 stars for me. Kind of like Leviathan. And I remember I went back uh, as I was editing and listening to the review. I realized I didn't mention this with Leviathan. But I realized also with a lot of foreign films, and again with some really indie uh, U.S. films, you notice that there are a lot of static shots of scenery or of wildlife or stuff to where it's like, oh god, man, this shot is taking so damn long. It starts to feel like it's like a placeholder, you know? It's like, well, we gotta make this movie... You know, we gotta have it, like, a little bit more of a, a longer of a running time, so we're gonna, like, have these shots for no apparent reason. Well... Leviathan has that issue as the movie went on. When the movie came close to the ending, or got close to the ending, uh, you a lot of these shots became longer, and, un, and I thought they were unnecessary. With Timbuktu, it was kind of the case. However, these shots happened at the beginning of the movie, and I really thought that the movie really didn't need it. In fact, they could have evolved the characters more, uh, especially the stories that they were telling. 
and that would have, I thought, helped it out even more so. But still, it's a 4.25 star movie for me. I'm glad it was nominated. Outstanding, sir. So, where do you want to go from here? How about Tangerines? Tangerines. Uh, yes, this is probably um, my second favorite film. Yes. Yes, my second favorite film this week. Um, Alright, so Tangerines. It's an Estonian-Georgian film. Uh, it was actually from 2013, but of course, again, you got foreign films with releases and all that good stuff, which is why we're seeing it for the 2015 Oscars for 2014 releases. Um, this movie takes place back in 1992-1993 uh, during the War of Abkhazia. And... There was a lot of political unrest going on during this time. A lot, I know that Bosnian conflict was something that pretty much everybody remembers, but that's not the only thing that was happening during that time. But these sides were literally just as hate-filled for one another as the Bosnian conflict, as the people involved in the Bosnian conflict were. Um... And what this is, is it's basically a couple of old men who decide to stay back uh, from the war to take care of the local tangerine crop. And they are going to go ahead and harvest the tangerines. And even though it's wartime, hey, life's got to go on. However, a basically a conflict, kind of a, a, a roving conflict, if you will, comes up and two guys from the opposing sides end up being cared for in this little village where they're harvesting the tangerines. And they pretty much have to stay uh, at first more or less kind of under the same roof, but eventually, of course, they kind of have their own little spots. But these guys are like, oh, I'm going to kill you. Oh, I'm going to kill you. Ah, you got, you suck, you're a pig. You know, you're just this piece of shit that doesn't deserve anything, and you can't feel because you're not human. And, of course, they think this about each other. And... The two older, wiser men uh, is uh, they're, they're kind of like, look, you guys can hate each other all you want, but you you guys are both wounded. You both need to recover, and you're not going to kill each other while you're here. And so they basically loosely agree to kind of an uneasy truce, and due to that they unwittingly start to find humanity within the other. Each finds humanity within the other. And, of course, from there, you really kind of get the idea of the kernel of the movie. Um, I really enjoyed this story. I am, as much as people love to see a lot of things in black and white, no matter what the issue is. And in some cases, there is a right and a wrong. But you will find greatly in this world that it's not all... that there's rarely anything that's truly black and white. There's almost always a shade of gray. Sometimes there are 50, and you shouldn't make movies about it. That being said, this is one of those times when it's just amazing to watch humanity... At its best, even when it's juxtaposed with its worst. 
what the only thing that I did not like about this movie was even though the setup was awesome and the acting very decent, you could see what was going to happen from a mile away. Now, that does not take away from the enjoyment of watching what you know to, to be come to fruition. If anything, you can feel like a sage. But you can also realize that predictability will hurt a score. And in this case, it hurts it a pretty fair chunk. Not, not terribly, but for me, because I saw the ending come in a mile away... Even though I still enjoyed this movie, I would have liked to have had um, something a little less predictable. I, and, and to their credit, I don't know exactly how I would have done it differently. Um, maybe perhaps if I could have set it up a little bit differently, it would have allowed for a better way for it to play out in a less predictable fashion. But that being said, again, 4.25. But this is definitely... Like, if I could give it, a, like, a 4.3 instead of a 4.25, I would, because I did like this one better than Timbuktu. Uh, Timbuktu's great. This one was a little bit better. But just, again, the predictability of it hurt me. So, 4.25, what do you got, Tim? Yeah, you hit the nail right on the head. Uh, it was very predictable, but I got to say, this movie was, uh, was, was well made. It was a nice little character study. And it was, it was entertaining throughout. Like, I, I was lost in the movie. Um... I was going back and reading some other reviews about it, and people kept throwing... Or one of the most common uh, descriptions people had of the movie was that it was very uh, atmospheric. And I have to agree with them. I mean, the, the cinematography was nice. The use of the camera was nice. It was very minimal use of the uh, use of the camera. And the movie just played out organically and on its own. And that's always entertaining, more so entertaining to watch when you're not having to put up with, with, with gimmicks, with a lot of camera gimmicks. It was aesthetically pleasing without trying too hard, I should say. Uh, so I give this one 4.25 as well. I, too, liked it better than Timbuktu. I, I, I wish I was able to keep that rhyme going. Well, wait, how much more? Did, what, what did you end up giving Timbuktu? 4.25. Oh, look at that. We're just all over the place. Like in the same. I know. I I with hate the it. Same things. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I did my best. Okay, yeah. I did my fucking best with Whiplash, and nothing, nothing. Well, I mean, you know, it was but... because I I got high off my fecal fumes. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair. If we were doing that now, it would be like an all-out match. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okie dokie then. Um, then uh, where do we need to go from here, sir? How about Selma? Selma! Alright, we have now jumped down to last place movie for the week. Alright, now look, this movie is covering, it's a historical drama film. Um, it is based on the 1965 Selma to Montgomery voting rights marches. And uh, has a great deal to do with Martin Luther King Jr., However, a lot of other people that were involved in the movement. And to the film's credit, it's really nice to see that for a change. And not, and I don't mean that as there aren't any times that other people haven't been featured. But it's not just solely focusing on MLK. 
you really are getting to see a lot of what these people did, uh, the sacrifices that other people made uh, up to and including the ultimate sacrifice, uh, how the dynamics were that were involved with these people as they planned these things and the, and the difficulties that they had. But I'm sorry, I'm going to pull Britain's response to Harry Potter casting in this it really pisses me off that they couldn't find really good American actors for this and that they went across the pond, as it were, to go get all these actors who are doing something about America, okay? Um, I think that other places would be just as equally pissed off if they came, if, like, you know, we went and cast a whole bunch of American people to go talk about, oh, I don't know, the... IRA bombings in the 80s or something like that. I mean, how insulting would that be? I was, like, kind of pissed off. I'm sorry. I don't need Tim Roth and Tom Wilkinson and David Oyelowo. Uh, good lord. Um, you know, doing these parts. They, look, they're, they're good actors. I enjoy these people. They're, I'm a super duper huge fan of Tim Roth especially. Love Tom Wilkinson as well. But I don't know. For me, it just really is just, it was just grading to watch them because I never bought into their characters. Why? Because for me, it was like watching British people lampoon the people who actually were historically there. Um, and I didn't buy into those characters because of that, with the exception of Martin Luther King. Sorry, I I'm referring more to uh, George Wallace and Lyndon B. Johnson, uh, as portrayed by Tim Roth and Tom Wilkinson, respectively. Um... And it, for me, I thought it was just, it, it, it just really, really grated on me and took me out of the movie to watch those things happen. Um, it's still a great story, and I think that there are lots of good performances overall, um, but I just, as, as key people who are so integral to the evil side, I guess, um, of this thing, it really just kind of felt like it was being purposely made farcical instead of actually showing these people for the complex characters that they were, especially given what we know about George Wallace today. Um, not so much about Lyndon B. Johnson, but even he wasn't the caricature people like to think of him as. He was a character... Um, and he definitely did what he, whatever the fuck he wanted to do, because well, that's you know what does you know what a Texan would do, blah 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 blah. Woohoo! But it wasn't as simple as all that. And anyone who is willing to take a serious look into the life of Martin Luther King will also know that it's not as simple as that. So. I give the I walk away from this movie thinking that there's lots of good things about it, lots of good cinematography, great story, good performances, but for me, um, bad casting decisions that graded on me overall really hurt it and brings it down to a three point five for me. So there you go. That's almost really liked it, even considering. So there is that. I will have to call you out. On a, 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 two reviews in the past where you and I were switched on uh, casting 
uh, Englishmen as or or Europeans in American roles. One of them, and, and like the real one, I'll, I'll get to uh, will be the next one. But the real or one of them was we were talking about the Escape from New York remake and recasting Tom Hardy as Snake Pilskin. I think it was Tom Hardy. Pilskin. Did, did I say Pilskin? Snake yeah. Pilskin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but what's the real Abraham one? Lincoln that, or Lincoln with Daniel okay. Day Lewis as Lincoln? And I was whenever before we even saw the movie, uh, back when Mikey was on the show, so we were still in the reboot phase. Uh, we were talking about it, yes. and I, I did defend that. I, I and I and and I will stand by that defense only because give me one person here who could have done it better. That is not Liam Neeson. <laughs> um, I know, I know. Why the fuck? No, uh, you're kidding. I'm totally Liam kidding. Neeson, right? oh, For one thing, okay, he cannot pull sure. a Georgian no, seriously, accent. Seriously, Day, uh, Dan- Daniel, Daniel Day-Lewis, you're right, you're right. In terms of just sheer principle of the thing, yes. But there, there, you know, he's the exception that proves the rule, if you want to put it that way. Um, because there literally was no one else. You're trying to tell me that there's no one else to play LBJ in this world. Are you, are you but seriously? Tom Wilkinson there's no did one it. else in this world to play George Tom Wallace. Mil- okay, George Wallace maybe. Now, the, I do agree with that one aspect with uh, Tim Roth's character. I, w- I didn't think about it before, but once you said he played it as a caricature, I most definitely agree. Now, Tom Wilkinson's LBJ to me is one of the best portrayals well, uh, lately. Of, of an actor portraying a historical presidential figure. Okay, now you can laugh about this, you can laugh about this, but I would have picked Gary Sinise for LBJ. After seeing him do Truman, I think he would have done LBJ some amazing fucking... But I thought Tom Wilkinson did a great job. Because of how this movie was handled, I thought his performance was, was perfect. Because you got to see both sides... Of what politics was in the uh, in the sixties, especially in the sixties, you got to see the aspect, or he portrayed the character as both the bad guy and then the good guy. You wanted to hate him, but then at the end, you loved him for some reason, and it's because he kind of caved into the whole civil rights thing. And but that's just it, though. This is what I mean when I say there's more to LBJ than that. LBJ didn't cave into this whole thing. LBJ, when it came to civil rights, was never behind the eight ball. What LBJ was having to deal with was the real, the political realities of the South and his party at that time. And they do, they do mention that. They do talk about that. And it is definitely hinted at. I'm not saying that he didn't really cave in. It's just, I mean, you definitely saw through the performance and also the, you know, the dialogue and whatnot that he is going back and forth between his party and what he thought or and the right thing to do or what we all know was the right thing to do but but but, it, but that's just it though they 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 purposely portray Johnson as someone who flips on it evolves if you want to use the parlance of Obama in his and his you know I evolved in the in my evolution in, ter- in my stance on gay marriage you, you, he's trying they're trying to portray Johnson in this similar fashion and by making him blatantly look like a bad guy at the beginning when he's just telling King look man what you want's not going to happen you just need to step off I mean that that's not how it went that's that's I mean and it's that kind of stuff but people will think that because 
People believe what they see in a movie because it's based on a true story. Look, Martin Luther King Jr. was a real person. See, like I looked I mean, at it a different way because like, I, I picked up on other stuff. Like I, I got it that he was. I mean, I know about LBJ, but I know you do, Tim. I, I know. I, I mean, it's no, no. I, I definitely know where you're coming from. It just from. it irritates me. I, I think I think that it. I, I don't think less of Tom Wilkinson for his portrayal. And I don't necessarily fault um, Ava DuVernay either. But I just... If anything, I uh, I just think that the story itself should have played it out a little bit truer to form than it did. Um, and and for, But for me, I think we're just going to disagree on this, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, but... Uh, yeah, you know. which is good. I, yeah, so Good. <laughs> yeah, damn it. So, anyways, I'm sorry. So we, we've gone completely off track, and I've totally taken no, you off I, task. No, I, I like so. it. Good. <laughs> now take it. <laughs> um, so, uh, okay, so yeah, so like I really like Tom Wilkinson's performance. Uh, to me, it stood out. As Lyndon Bacon Rose Johnson? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. Um uh, now I'm starting to think about Bacon again and Tom Wilkinson. I got the best of both worlds going on there. Um, uh, now I'm picturing Tom Wilkinson bathing in bacon petals naked in a tub nice. uh, with steaming. Nice. Okay, so like I really liked his character. And again, I liked how how they treated the subject matter to where they could have made the movie more than what it was. I mean, they want this movie played out again, I'm going to use the word organically because the story is itself is amazing that they didn't have to add a whole bunch of uh, fluff to the story. Like they didn't have to completely rewrite history. They just let things play out on its own. Kind of, I'm going to pretty much say the same thing with Foxcatcher when we get back when we get to it. It's just an, it's just a great story, um, and this is to me it's definitely a character based or excuse me not a character based it's definitely a story driven film due to the subject matter. David Oyelowo, I thought he did a great job, and honestly I am surprised he got nominated for the Academy Award. Um, I wasn't really too ticked off at first until I realized wait a second, Meryl Streep got nominated for an Academy Award for Into the Woods. And if I, I I just don't understand why this could have happened, he deserved it, or he deserves the nomination at least uh, more so than probably a couple other people. So it's I think it's it's a shame, and it definitely is a slap in the face. And I'm not saying that there has there always has to be diversity, but I will say that he was the character. I thought that this movie achieves what many films based on historical events does not. It allows the facts to tell the story itself, like I was saying, without having to over-dramatize or make up a side story to make the film more appealing or interesting. Yes, like Matt said, uh, Tim Roth's character, uh, even Dylan Baker's J. Edgar Hoover, was a little over the top. To me, it was like watching Forrest Gump. The movie was is really entertaining. The movie's not violent, overly violent, uh, there's definitely drama in the film, but it is a well-crafted film. That is that is uplifting, genuinely uplifting, I thought. Yes, I thought this movie was great. 
but I don't know if I should give it a five-star review or not, so I'm going to give it a 4.75. I thought it was really good, uh, and I left the movie theater entertained. Fair enough. All right, sir. Down to Wild Tales, The Salt of the Earth, and Foxcatcher. Well, why don't you go ahead and knock out your uh, two movies that I didn't get a chance to go check out. Okay, so uh, then we're going to go with uh, Salt of the Earth. It's a documentary on Sebastiao Salgado, who has uh, who's an amazing and prolific photographer. And this guy's gone all over the world, uh, taking pictures of all sorts of people, places, conflicts, and all that kind of stuff. And now what he's trying to do, this particular documentary is following him on the journey of pristine territories. And basically his idea of it's his way to try and save the planet show us what we have that's worth saving and why it needs to be saved um the irony of him going to some place that we can never see because it's pristine i.e untouched uh to leave it that way is um it's not unremarkable but i do think that i would have liked to have I don't know I think I would have liked to have had it presented a different way hands down this is probably the most beautiful movie you're going to see of all the Oscar movies Uh, I know we've talked a lot about different things with lots of great cinematography Uh, you know when you think of when we talked about Virunga and stuff Leviathan I mean just you know just great great cinematography over the past few weeks that we've been talking about and whatever Um, but this is just natural beauty in its own state for the sake of presenting natural beauty and and I think that there's nothing prettier than that Um, but I don't know. I, I think that while it's beautiful and while it does talk about some things that are really interesting and timely for today, um, I felt it was a little bland. Nothing uh, nothing that's worth not seeing it over, but definitely something that keeps it from being a full five-star movie for me. So this one, Salt of the Earth, I definitely think is beautiful. Great to look at. Neat story. Four stars. And then... We come to Wild Tales, which is my favorite movie of the year so far. This movie is an Argentine black comedy drama film. And it's a complete ensemble cast. It is an anthology film. And it has... Let me hear... I'm looking it up here. Six stories? One, two, three, four, five... Yes, six different stories. Um, some more outlandish than the others. Um, I think my favorite one is definitely El Mas Frete, um, which they're translating as the strongest, which is these two guys in two very different kinds of vehicles, um, (laughs) go after each other for, for different reasons. Um, the... The movie, the, all of these vignettes take very different looks at vengeance. And that's basically the entire theme of the whole, of the whole movie. It is really and truly, it's, it's vengeance. Uh, and how violence can, but does not always necessarily have to facilitate the vengeance. 
Um, there are definitely some... I think this is probably one of those movies that, as an ensemble cast, I think it needed a better overall framing device. Instead of just being a series of anthologies um, or a series of different vignettes put together, I think that there could have been an overarching story uh, a la, I don't know, whatever, all the stupid holiday, Valentine's Day and New Year's Eve and all, where they have all these kind of different things that converge, I think that would have been better for this movie. Especially given how all of these crazy stories could have intermingled into one thing given their commonality of theme. Um, so, aside from that one little thing for me, I thought that where it was serious and interesting, it, it was serious. Where it was a little outlandish, especially at the end, um, I still appreciated that. And definitely where I found it funny, despite how dark it was, I laughed hysterically. Uh, so, I give this one 4.75. It is my favorite movie of this week. Ah, Wild Tales. You should see it. Or else. Very nice. And I will. I will. Alright, so... Foxcatcher, 2014 American biographical true crime drama film. It's directed uh, by Bennett Miller and stars Steve Carell, Channing Tatum, and Mark Ruffalo as... uh, John DuPont... Mark Schultz and David Schultz, or Dave Schultz, respectively, um, and covers their time together and the disintegration of their time together, culminating in the events that occurred in 1996. Um, even though the movie basically starts in 1986, it's it basically makes it kind of look like it's covering about two to three years when in actuality um, it went much longer than that I kind of felt that that was a detriment to the movie but you know I, I mean I guess for sake of you know timing or whatever then that's that's how they're wanting to do it now everything that they're saying about Steve Carell and everything is well deserved. However, I think that um, Channing Tatum really blew me away. I was not expecting this kind of a performance from him. And I was just like literally jaw dropped. Like, holy crap. Uh, same with Mark Ruffalo. Of course, Mark Ruffalo is an amazing actor and, you know, he's always going to pull off these things. But what I really thought was interesting was the, the overall study. A character study of all of these characters of 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 mental frailty and how that mental frailty translates into the character of a person and i mean it's just fascinating to watch even over the course of 2 hours and 10 minutes it's fascinating to watch but it is hampered heavily heavily by one flaw now 
I know that Tim is aware of this because Tim was a film major. But in film, there are different styles of sound. You have diegetic and then, of course, what is known as non-diegetic sounds. Now, non-diegetic sound basically means, uh, for, for laymen and everything, are sounds that are not visible and it has not been implied for the action. So basically, things like narration, uh, score background music, things like that. So when you employ non-diegetic sound as an actual plot device, you better bring your A-fucking-game. Which means every single second has to be accounted for when there's no sound other than what's happening directly inside the frame. And this movie does not account for every second. Consequently, the first 40 minutes of this movie, you're not wondering... You're, you're Instead of looking at these characters and going, man, what's going on in their heads? Why are they behaving this particular way? You're not asking those questions in the manner that you should be because you're distracted by... Why am I watching someone eat ramen? Why am I staring at someone sitting in an office? Why am I looking at a rich man doing nothing at a desk? These are the kinds of things that when you do them, when you keep the pace and the timing right, all you're left with is that thought that's in your head. And I can see where they were trying to go with that. And I can appreciate that effort. But... It does it perfectly. After 40 minutes of the movie, every other time that that occurs, it's great. The timing is flawless, and they and they pull it out, and then of course they bring you back in and good put the they have score and backing and stuff like that. But there's still moments, especially by the end of the film, where they bring back that non-diegetic sound, where it's just what's happening in the frame, and that's all, and it's perfect. But they really hurt that in the first 40 minutes of the film. So due to that, four stars. Otherwise, I think this probably could have been a five-star film. What do you think, Tim? <laughs> that definitely did not bother me to the effect that it bothered you. It's the little things, from Matt. It's the little things that can break or make It's the little things, like casting and non-diegetic sound. <laughs> it's the little things. It sounds like a horror. It sounds like a, something that I passed, which caused the septic tank to back up. Oh, my diegetic <laughs> balb. I, I had a non-diegetic release. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was too natural. Too natural! Um, yeah, okay, so to keep this uh, review short, I saw this movie months ago, and I still think about it. I thought it was really a, 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 a fantastic movie. Um, though it is not a perfect movie, this is one of those really, really good, slow-moving movies, or slow-paced movies. Uh, if I could compare it to another great, super slow-moving movie, it would be Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which came out back in 2000 and... It was for the 2011 Oscars, so I think yeah, it came out in 2010. Uh, it's the one with Gary Oldman and... Colin Firth is in it. It's a great, great movie. But again, it's very nuanced. It's 
character driven and Foxcatcher is about these three characters and the story that they tell and it is a engrossing story and that's where the movie succeeds it's because again like with Selma this movie didn't need all these flashy gimmicks it didn't need narration it didn't need all this crazy forced subtext because the movie the story itself and the characters at least how they're portrayed in the movie especially John DuPont was absolutely haunting and it's not just it, it just it cannot just only be attested to uh, Steve Carell's performance or the performances in general but Barrett Miller especially he's a great director he also directed Capote um, and he directed uh, I'm drawing a blank on the other really good movie he directed he's only directed a few movies and they're all really, really good. And this is, I think, honestly, I think it's better than Capote, especially as a character study. Uh, let's see if I wrote any more notes here. Yeah, it's very nuanced, and it's organically tense filmmaking. Yes, the movie is tense. You heard that right, because you know it builds up somewhere, or it builds up to something. And you can tell strictly by Carell's portrayal. And his or his performance of du, of Dupont, you see him. Uh, God, it's, it's it's actually a pretty sad character, and, and, and which adds to the hauntingness of it. It's kind of like the kid from The Omen, you know, like he's very silent. He chooses his words wisely, but he's always looking and listening and scheming something. And then you can tell when he's about to act on it and. But when it all comes down to it, he's just a sad boy that didn't get enough of his mother. Didn't get enough mommy time growing up. And he's just trying to be the best at everything and trying to overcompensate. And uh, and you'll see kind of where that, uh, where that gets him. Because nobody truly really accepts him for who he is. They accept him for his money. And that adds the, 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 the performance and... It's just so good, and again, it's it's great, tense filmmaking. It takes its time. It's definitely a, one of those really good character movies. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. I give this one four point five out of five. Then I guess that's going to go ahead and conclude the movies. Next week, thank fucking God, we're back to normal. Uh, Predestination, Joe and Chef. Uh, the latter two are both on Netflix. So, Predestination, Joe, and Chef. And now, it's time. And the Oscar goes to the SLS cast. All right. Um, we are going to do it, folks. We're going to cover all of the nominees. We have... Uh, where Do you, you want to go top to bottom, bottom to top? How do you want to do it there, sir? Are you on the Oscar... Website Oscar.go.com slash nominees. That's where we are, folks, if you're playing along at home. So like with uh, original screenplay, with writing. Writing, original screenplay. We've got Birdman, Boyhood, Foxcatcher, Grand Budapest Hotel, and Nightcrawler. I'll go and jump in and go first. Yeah, go ahead, because I'm... Man, okay, I what do I want to win? I really want Birdman to win, because I thought out of all these, it was a solid... Uh, a solid story. It was a solid script. However, I do think 
it'll go to the Grand Budapest Hotel because people keep talking about how Wes Anderson just deserves the fucking Oscar, and this movie was definitely a cl- a, a clown pleaser. No, it was definitely a crowd pleaser, and but man, I just really wish Birdman would would get it. But I, you know, like I said, I think it's going to go to Grand Budapest Hotel. Okay, I would actually like it to go to Grand Budapest Hotel. And the reason why is because I know Birdman's going to do well elsewhere, and so I don't have to worry about it, you know, how many Oscars it's going to get overall, because I I know where it's going to end up at the end. So I would like for Grand Budapest Hotel to get it, because I just thought that I felt uh, that really and truly this has been Wes Anderson's strongest work, and that's why this film has resonated so highly uh, amongst not just Wes Anderson fans, but uh, as uh, with the viewing public overall. However, I think that because of where Birdman's going to end up, I think Boyhood is the one that's going to get this. Um, and I will explain that later, I guess. So I, I, I would like for Grand Budapest to win. I think Boyhood's going to get this. So, writing, adapted screenplay, we have American Sniper, Imitation Game, Inherent Vice, The Theory of Everything, and Whiplash. I think this is definitely one of the the most difficult Oscar races within the past 10 years. Last year I did pretty good, and I kind of have my own system of of knowing what's going to get not, or what's going to win, and, you know, that's treated me pretty well, but that's not really coming into play all that nicely this time around kind of looking at this right now and i wrote all this stuff down i think uh the imitation game might win i thought the movie had a just i I mean the movie is just basically all freaking dialogue and it's well-written dialogue i mean the, the movie relied on the story and the story is only as good as its script so i'll just leave it like that uh the imitation game all right i am not sure for me I think Whiplash is going to win, but I'm not sure if I want Imitation Game or Inherent Vice to win. I can't really decide between those two. Um, Put a gun to my head, I'm going to say Imitation Game. Okay, alright, fine. 51-49 in favor of Imitation Game over Inherent Vice in terms of what I want to win, but I think Whiplash is going to get this one. Uh, all right, moving on to visual effects. Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Guardians of the Galaxy, Interstellar, and X-Men, Days of Future Wait, so Past. you're saying that Noah wasn't nominated for Best Visual Effects? What? Oh, God, did that come out in 2014? <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. Yes, all it right. did. I think Hansel wow. and Gretel Witch Hunter had better vi- uh, visual effects than <laughs> than Noah. Okay, uh, visual effects for me, at first I was going to put down Interstellar, but after watching Cosmos again, I realized beautiful effects. I mean, amazing effects. But I think the time and the talent really shows with, uh, with Dawn of the Planet of the, of the Apes. By far, that is the best motion capture animation, and that, that is just some of the best... Um, I, I guess you can call it atmosphere that anybody's ever created. And to me, I felt like I was watching real ape-like people or people like apes. 
that makes any sense. So uh, I both want and I expect Dawn of the Planet of the Apes to win for visual effects. All right. For for me, I think this is probably the only chance Interstellar has of getting anything, and I'm pretty sure Interstellar's going to get this. Um, in terms of what I would like to win, I disagree with Tim. I, I as uh, let me rephrase that. I agree with Tim. Technically, yes, it was. Uh, it's a very good uh, motion capture and all that wonderful stuff. Um, but for me, I just think that overall, given the just sheer level of effects required to pull it off guardians of the galaxy i would like for it to win moving along sound mixing american sniper birdman interstellar unbroken and whiplash um this is another difficult one okay i'll get this one here i both want and expect whiplash to win this that's an easy this one honestly that one's an easy one for me so yeah sound sound mixing sound editing one of them is the actual capturing of the sound and the other is the use of the sound within the film like you know how much you actually hear the footsteps uh, you know opposed to how much you hear the sound of the trees moving in the wind for example these categories treat war movies and it treats sci-fi movies very well so American Sniper is a really good contender. And Unbroken is also a really good contender. Not so much Birdman or Inter... Uh, I mean, yeah, it could be Interstellar. But Interstellar, they used a lot more of natural sounds and it sound, the sound itself was not that great. So actually for sound uh, mixing, I'm going to go with Whiplash. And... For sound editing, I will go with American Sniper. Okay. Uh, sound editing for me, um, I think uh, I'm I think I'm going to have to go with Hobbit on this one. Uh, just given the sheer level, again, because of all the CGI, because of all the effects, because of everything that has to be done um, after the fact with the editing, I think that was probably, on a technical level, the best. Um, for what I would like to win, I would agree with American Sniper. With you on that there, Tim, for sound editing. Uh, short film, live action. I, did, did you see any of oh, these? Wait, wait, hang on a second. Did you say, which one was... Oh, and I'm sorry, just in case you are, guys are confused by this now. Sound editing, the nominees are American Sniper, Birdman, The Hobbit, Battle of the Five Armies, Interstellar, and unbroken. Uh, production design. The Grand Budapest Hotel. The Imitation Game. Interstellar. Into the Woods. And Mr. Turner. I both want and I'm pretty sure it will win. That is the Grand Budapest Hotel. It is Ditto. beautiful. I mean, Ditto. beautiful, beautiful movie. I mean, they had to decorate this hotel they had a the rundown version of, of the hotel is just as impressive i thought as the beautiful you know heyday version of the hotel ditto the only thing that i think will i think that into the woods could be a potential upset but um i am totally with you on this i want and expect that grand budapest hotel is the winner Even mr turner mr turner would be uh would be would be a great steal as well. I would love for Mr. Turner to get it, but yeah, I think I think it's going to be Grand Budapest. 
Right on, right on. Okay, so we've got music, original song. Everything is awesome from the Lego Movie. Glory from Selma. Grateful from Beyond the Lights. I'm not gonna miss you from Glenn Campbell. I'll be me. And finally, Lost Stars from Begin Again. I think Glory from Selma is going to get it, but I really would love Glenn Kem- Campbell's "I'm Not Gonna Miss You" uh, from his documentary to win, because it is a heartbreaking song. Oh my God, is it not? Jesus Christ! Especially the music video. Yeah, I I played that for my wife, um, and she she so I was like, "Baby, you've got to listen to this song." She's like, "Okay, what what is?" It? I was like, "Well, you know who Glenn Campbell is." She's like, "Well, kind of. I've heard him. I'm like, we'll just." Listen, so I sat her down, you know, and I had her watch the video. And she's like, okay, well, I mean, the song's okay. I don't, why, what's so ground-shaking? I was like, sweetheart, he has Alzheimer's. And she just started sobbing. She just, like, uncontrollably, oh, my God. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I want, I want and expect I'm not going to miss you to win. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Glory gets it, but I expect I'm not going to miss you to edge it out. I hope you're right. Indeed, indeed. All right. Music, original score, Grand Budapest Hotel, The Imitation Game, Interstellar, Mr. Turner, and The Theory of Everything. There, all these music scores are, are beautiful. Um, however, after going back and listening to all of them, um, well, I, I say they're all beautiful, but Interstellar is not that beautiful. Uh, what I love from, Matt, your review of Interstellar is that you were pissed off about the heavy use of the pipe organ. And <laughs> <laughs> and uh, while watching the movie, the soundtrack of The Theory of Everything or To The Theory of Everything is absolutely beautiful. But when you're listening to the isolated score of The Theory, theory of Everything... You'll notice that it starts to sound a little a little uh, repetitive, though it is very whimsical. Uh, beautiful music. I mean, it is beautiful. If it wins, I am totally cool with that. But I think I would rather have Grand Budapest Hotel to win. It was a great kind of Russian folklore type of type of, type of feel to it. You know, it was just a, it's a it's a fun, entertaining soundtrack to listen to, and especially when you when you do get some of the more dramatic and heavy-ish type of music, because for those of you who actually saw the movie, or who did see the movie, um, the movie is really funny, it's very zippy and and fun, but it does get, it definitely strikes a chord, you know, sometime into it, and you can really feel that in the music, so I both want and expect Grand Budapest to win, though Mr. Turner, again, Mr. Turner has a, has an absolutely beautiful score as well. Well, I think where when you're listening to an isolated score, for me, where you found that the theory of everything kind of uh, was repetitive and everything, I thought that the imitation game uh, had a really good bounce to it, and it where it was tense, it needed to be tense, but it also was moving and sat on its own. So I I can see imitation game winning. Um. But I'm gonna say I'm gonna say imitation game for a steal. But I am I agree with you on this. I both want and expect Grand Budapest to win, but I do see the possibility of imitation game coming in for the steal on that. Bam! Yeah. 
All right, makeup and hairstyling, Foxcatcher, Grand Budapest Hotel, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Talk, talk about three totally different fucking movies. <laughs> yeah, but but all of them with, in my opinion, equal chances to win. Yeah. Um, um, thing it's like with Guardians of the Galaxy. It's I mean, there's nothing completely. Sp- special about it uh i i mean I, oh, man I don't, I don't know dude i kind of want to go with fox catcher uh okay fox catcher for me um it, it's good i'm not saying it doesn't deserve to be nominated but i really feel like it's a one-trick pony with steve carell oh his nose you mean steve carell's nose right. yeah <laughs> I, I i really and truly believe that the that don't get me wrong. Um, the nominees themselves, Bill Corso and Dennis Lydiard, really did great, especially with, um, oh, good God, Mark Ruffalo and everything like that. Um, and, and an overall, just a stellar job recreating the time, giving characters, you know, helping them to really uh, look like their real life counterparts and everything. But I really think it's just because people were so shocked by Steve Carell. Um, and his look and his mannerisms and stuff to bring John DuPont to life that I think it's it's more or less on the back of that that Foxcatcher's been nominated. So for me, while they're all great, I think that it comes down to Grand Budapest and Ga- Guardians. Now, why I think Guardians... Did you did you call it Grand Budapest? No, <laughs> Grand Budapest. <laughs> um, why I think Guardians should win is... When you look at, um, oh, for crying out loud, hang on, now I gotta look it up, because I can't, Guardians of the Galaxy, (sighs) do, do, Okay, Drax. If you look at Gamora and Drax, I mean, just the amount, the sheer amount of detail that went into Drax is unbelievable. And it's literally half his fucking body. And then, of course, you've also got even tone and all that kind of stuff that you have to pull off for Gamora. Not to mention all of the various characters, especially in the prison, on the planet and everything there's just so much it's the scale that gets it while the the touches are nice and genuine in grand budapest and very well done and definitely lends to the credibility of the film as a whole i just i think that guardians does the same thing for the type of movie that it is but the sheer scale of it is what i think makes it deserve to win over Grand Budapest. And so, for me, I think it's really between Grand Budapest Hotel and Guardians. I would like to see Guardians uh, win it. I think Grand Budapest will probably get it, but it would make me very happy if Guardians did win. I'll just stick with Foxcatcher. Why not? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Foreign language film. We have Ida, Leviathan, Tangerines, Timbuktu, and Wild Tales. This one's pretty easy for me. I think it's going to come down to 
uh, Tangerines or Timbuktu as far as who's going to win. I honestly can't really pick. I would venture to guess that Tangerines will probably edge it out, but I really think it's between those two, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if Timbuktu won. Um, I would like Wild Tales to win, though. It was truly my favorite. So you're saying you would like Wild Tales to win, yes. but you're going to say Timbuktu will... No, I'm going to... Technically, if you're writing it down, technically I think it's a tie between Tangerines and Timbuktu as to who's going to win it. If you put a gun to my head, I'll say Tangerines. Tangerines. Um, but it would not surprise me if Timbuktu takes it. However, I would like Wild Tales to win. I thought Tangerines was definitely... Overall, the best made of the of the foreign flicks. However, I think Ida's going to win it. It's been a it's been a, a critic's favorite. Oh, I'm not, I, hey, it wasn't my favorite, but I'm t- I'm telling you, like, but you still haven't seen Wild movie. Tales. <sighs> no, oh uh, no, I, I get that. And people are saying Wild Tales might might win it. People are even saying uh, uh, Leviathan might might win it. But I really do think Ida's going to win. Uh, however, I would like to see either Leviathan or uh, Tangerines uh, to win it. All right, so moving on to film editing, we have American Sniper, Boyhood, The Grand Budapest Hotel, The Imitation Game, and Whiplash. I I both want and expect Boyhood to win this. I think Boy uh, Boyhood's going to win it, but I really want Whiplash to win it. And why I say that, and I talked about it during my uh, slightly incoherent review last week, and not defensive review last week. The movie is about pacing. And I actually I went back and rewatched Boyhood the other day. I liked it more so, but I was able to pick it apart more. With Whiplash, you know, it's all about the pacing. It's it's to the beat of the drum and it's all about building the momentum. And a lot of that had to deal with the uh, not only the sound and the music, but the editing as well. And to me, it's that it takes a skill for a skillful editor to really edit with a beat or on the beat. But I do think Boyhood's probably going to get it, but I would love it for Whiplash to win. I think that, Steve, for the reasons that you think that Whiplash should win for film editing, that's why I think Whiplash is going to get it for sound mixing. Well, we'll see. Exactly, we will. All right, documentary features. Citizen Four, Finding Vivian Mare, Last Days in Vietnam, The Salt of the Earth, and Virunga. Uh, Citizen Four, all the way around. Ugh. Um. I agree that Citizen Four is going to win. However, I I liked Finding Vivian Mare more, and I would like for Vivian Mare to win. But I agree that Citizen Four will will take it. Uh, let's see here. Directing Birdman. Boyhood, Foxcatcher, Grand Budapest Hotel, and Imitation Game. Okay, so this is when things become awfully dicey. If you didn't think it was going to get <laughs> <laughs> more heated, I'm going to have to go with Alejandro Gonzalez Inuritu for Birdman. I think I want him to win, and I think he will get it. He fell into the same role that I have for, uh, that I use towards gravity. For, actually, for the past you know five or six years... It takes a skillful skillful director to pull that type of movie off. And he displayed a talent 
that I don't think any other of these directors could have uh, could have matched. I mean, they're I, all of them are, are fantastic directors, but none of them really rose to his level. So I'm going to say Birdman's going to take that. If it weren't for how this conversation is going to end up, I would agree with you. However, because of how this conversation is going to end up, I think Boyhood's going. I think Linklater's going to get it. Um. I would like, I mean, as much as I love Grand Budapest Hotel and it would be wonderful for Wes Anderson to get the nod, I would prefer, I would prefer that Birdman get it. I would prefer that Alejandro get it. But, again, uh, I think that Boyhood's going to win. So, I would like to see Birdman win, but I believe that Linkletter is going to take it. And it would just be nice if Wes Anderson was recognized, but he's recognized enough in this particular aspect just by being nominated. Uh, Costume design, Grand Budapest Hotel, Inherent Vice, Into the Woods, Maleficent, and Mr. Turner. Grand Budapest. Inherent Vice. Really? Yes. I think that... uh, I think, honestly, I think it's... That's the one... Inherent Vice is the one I want to win. Um, I haven't seen anything as fun and as truly integral to the uh, to the pulling off of a movie as Inherent Vice. I think Grand Budapest, it's a package deal. You know, you're getting that because of the cinematography. You're getting that because of the um, because of the direction, because of the characters, because of the makeup and everything. And yes, costume design goes somewhat hand in hand with ma- uh, makeup and hair but it's it's all package so you're you're getting all these things that feed off of one another to create this beautiful product for grand budapest i think the costume design for inherent vice is hands down one of the reasons why this movie's the movie has the following that it's going to have and and has now but see i think with uh, like when you say well it's like the complete package i mean i think that's why you you have to have I, well, okay. I think that's all the more reason why uh, why it should win for best costume design. Because if you look at a period piece like a, like a, uh, Elizabeth, which won oodles of awards, including right. uh, costumes, well, you look at that movie and you look at the detail with Grand Budapest Hotel. You look at the detail of every single one of those costumes and how many of those costumes that they had to make. And it's a lot of it's a lot of bellhop costumes and a lot of great you know awesome period tuxedos and dresses and gowns, and it's and it's beautiful. No, I, sure, that's fair. However, even though we disagree on that, I would not be surprised that Into the Woods or Maleficent somehow pulls this out, um, just because of the it's Disney and their costumes are outrageous and all over the place. And they own everything. Pretty much. So, yeah. So I would like to see Inherent Vice win it. But for me, I think it's going to be a tie between... I cannot. I literally cannot decide between Into the Woods and Maleficent. But I think one of those is going to win. Choose as much one. as I would like to see. You have to, to choose see. one. If I have to... Uh, Into the Woods, then. Into the Woods. Okay. Cinematography. Birdman. Grand Budapest. Ida. Mr. Turner. And Unbroken. Okay. I love... Mr. Turner's cinematography. It is absolutely beautiful, and it feels like I'm doing an injustice 
not to say it's going to win, but I, man, I, I really want it to win. Uh, but I think it's going to go to either uh, Grand Budapest or Birdman. Pick one. Got to pick one. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm just, I'm setting the stage for it. So hey, um, if we're going to go down the route to where like, Okay, well, with, with the Grand Budapest, you know, you have the cinematography, you have the you have the you have the set pieces, you have the or the production design, you have the uh, the costumes, all that stuff. Um, so everything just kind of fits together and it looks perfect. But with Birdman, you have the mix between reality and the dreamlike scenes, which took which takes place on the stage. So you have the lighting changes, and with the changes of scenery and set, and with lighting. You also have to take into consideration that most of these shots, I mean, the entire movie is set up to be one continuous shot. So, the movie had to be shot not exactly the same way, but it had to be fluid between each cut. So that illusion of this movie not having a single cut until the very end actually plays off. So I think this very well could go to Birdman. As much as I love Grand Grand Budapest Hotel... Um, at that time I almost did say Puda best, but (laughs) as much as I would love to see Grand Budapest Hotel win it, um, I want Birdman to win it more and I expect Birdman to win. And now here we go. Animated feature film, Big Hero 6, The Box Trolls, How to Train Your Dragon 2, Song of the Sea, and The Tale of the Princess Kaguya. Okay, uh, let's see. I want the Tale of Princess Kaguya to win, but I think it's going to go to How to Train Your Dragon 2. Okay, I also want the Tale of the Princess Kaguya to win. I think Big Hero 6 is going to get it. Oh, man. I ho- if I, I mean, my second place choice would be Box Trolls, but um, yeah. I mean, if I, if I had to rate them... Uh, Princess Kaguya, Box Trolls, Song of the Sea, Big Hero 6, and How to Train Your Dragon 2. That's how I rate those movies. Even though I enjoyed Big Hero 6 more than Song of the Sea, um, in terms of my rating of it, I think that it's a, it, at a certain point Disney has got enough. Let's let somebody else play. But um, I really didn't like How to Train Your Dragon 2. You mean How to Drain Your Dragon too? Yeah, sure, that too, that too. But yeah, so again, like you, I uh, hope and I want Princess Kaguya to win. Uh, unlike you, I think Big Hero 6 will get it. Alright, so, actress in a supporting role, Patricia Arquette, Boyhood, Laura Dern, Wild, Kira Knightley, The Imitation Game, Meryl Streep, Into the Woods, and Emma Stone, Birdman. Um, originally, I was going to say Laura Dern. She blew me away in Wild. She was so good. Just that portrayal was spot on. Uh, but after watching or revisiting Boyhood, Patricia Arquette, uh, man, her performance was real. And I would love either Patricia Arquette or Laura Dern to get the Academy Award. But I think it's definitely going to go to Patricia Arquette. Okay. Um, I would love Laura Dern to get it. I think in a stunning upset, it's going to go to Emma Stone. Moving on to actor in a supporting role, Robert Duvall, The Judge, Mark Ruffalo, Foxcatcher, Ethan Hawke, Boyhood, J.K. Simmons, Whiplash, and Edward Norton, Birdman. I'm going to say J.K. Simmons won it and expect him to win, but Edward Norton and Ethan Hawke 
I mean, all these guys were were great, but I got to give it to J.K. Simmons. Uh, I want Ed Norton to win for Birdman. Uh, I think hands down he did the best of all of them, but I fully expect J.K. Simmons to win. And you know what? As much as I did not like his character, um, again, I'd said that the technicality of his acting was still good, and I've been a J.K. Simmons fan for so many years I can't even count. Like, way back in the days of Oz, the HBO TV series, okay? Um, So, I hope, I, I mean... I, it's not going to hurt my feelings at all if he wins. I hope Ed Norton wins. I would like that Ed Norton wins, but I expect J.K. Simmons to win, and that would make me equally as happy. Uh, actress in a leading role. We have Marion Cotillard for Two Days, One Night, Felicity Jones, The Theory of Everything, Julianne Moore, Still Alice, Reese Witherspoon, Wild, and Rosamund Pike, Gone Girl. Julianne Moore, both want her and expect her. Uh, I want Marianne Cotillard to win. I expect Reese Witherspoon to get it. I think there's just too much push behind Wild. It's going to edge out still Alice. Uh, actor in a leading role, Steve Carell, Foxcatcher, Michael Keaton, Birdman. Uh, Bradley Cooper, American Sniper, Eddie Redmayne, The Theory of Everything, and Benedict Cumberbatch, The Imitation Game. Eddie Redmayne for both because... I felt that it would have been so easy for him to portray the character as a caricature, yet he played the character honestly, and it came across, I thought, beautifully, and in a way, inspiring as an as an actor. Very good. Okay, for me, this is a want and expect Michael Keaton, Birdman. And, and I agree with you, Tim, by the way. Eddie Redmayne uh, did a fantastic job, and I have also been a fan of him for at least four years now. Um, so I, I am, you know, so I, I definitely think that this is uh, just the beginning for him. But, oh, my God, Michael Keaton, his time has come. Although um, I want and expect Michael Keaton to win it, I could see Steve Carell stealing it and it would make me mad (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think I see uh, Benedict Cumberbatch getting it before Steve Carell I guess we will find out alright and this is where it all ends up best picture American Sniper The Imitation Game Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance Selma Boyhood The Theory of Everything The Grand Budapest Hotel and Whiplash I wrote down here what I would like to win. I put down Birdman and Selma. Because uh, Selma Sutton uh, is not uh, nominated for a lot of stuff. And it is a great, it's a solid movie. Uh, so it very well could win. And then I wrote for will absolutely win between Selma and Boyhood. Uh, I think there's a big push behind Boyhood. And I think Boyhood's going to take it. Okay. Um... Before I did that, before I did the uh, did that news piece a few weeks back, where the producers guild in the stunning upset, Birdman beat out Boyhood, and this is why I've been uh, giving Boyhood all the uh, stuff beforehand. 
It's because Birdman, I believe that Birdman is going to win it. Um, in terms of what do I, what would I like to win? For me, it I, it's just a three-way tie between Grand Budapest, Boyhood, and Birdman. Um, I would be happy if any of those three won. Um, if you're going to make me pick which one, then I'm just going to, you know, want and expect Birdman to win. But not going to hurt my feelings at all if Boyhood pulls it out. I just really think Birdman's going to get it. Did you ever pull yeah. it out in, during Boyhood? <laughs> well, I mean, I pulled it out during my Boyhood, but, you know, maybe not during the film. because that's oh, I, I didn't mean movie. it like that. Oh, God. That, oh man. Oh, shit. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> You asked the question. I know, but I didn't mean it. I meant like <laughs> I your, your it was personal I'm boyhood. Sorry. Which I don't actually. I don't want to know that either. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how are you? How am I not supposed to take it that way? Uh, anyways, all right. Well, those are the picks. That's what we figured out, and uh, the 87th Academy Award nominations for the 2015 Oscars. And there we go. We've got it. Um, so that brings us to the end of the show and the spiel, does it not, sir? Spiel on. All right. Well, the music you've been listening to, as always, has been brought to us by our music partners, Cries of Solace. You can check them out at ReverbNation.com and Facebook.com, both slash Cries of Solace. As for us, well, of course, we are still the SLS Cast, and you can find us at SLScast.com. You can send us an email to the show at SLScast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the SLScast. You can even... Oh, yeah, you can follow me. This is Matt on Twitter at nitwit12345. You can climb aboard the information superhighway and see if you can track down Tim on Twitter. And of course, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio. So until next time, this is Matt saying that thanks to Julianne Moore, I get to say this. In grade school, I was a complete geek. You know, there's always the kid who's too short, the kid who wears glasses, the kid who's not athletic. Well, I was all three. And this is Tim saying, if you were over at my house last week, you would have been staying in the Grand Budapest Hotel. Thanks again for listening to the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. Remember that you can find us at slscast.com, at the SLS Cast for Twitter, also on Facebook, and you can always subscribe on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.